I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Let's Talk More Movies, the show where we try and talk about movies but never talk about anything and everything else. I am your host, Michael Breslin. To my left is... Ed Gein. Shanko. <laughs> <laughs> also to my left... Colm Heron. Hey. And also... Uh, fuck that up. <laughs> Damn. To my other left... To Kiva my, Sweeney. To my other left, aka my right... <laughs> Kiva Sweeney. Bang. Bang. You're getting, I was, you know what, I was going to say to you, you're getting unbelievably good at doing that intro. I know, you see, I thought in my own head, oh, this is going quite well, and mm. then I fucked it up. <laughs> a smooth as yeah. at the start yeah. there, like, We've and then it just there. collapsed on upon itself. He goes into a mini, and just I'm saying, because I was watching the games the other night, he goes into a mini hypersleep and just delivers it and doesn't even know where it comes from anymore. <laughs> uh, it's like when you're driving and then you don't remember the whole journey, you just arrive. Mm. And then mm. the police are at your door, and you're like, Dying. "What? Uh, <laughs> I did really well." Like, no, I, I don't. I don't even have a license. No, I'm like, that's, that's my own blood on the windscreen. <laughs> I killed somebody. That was ten years ago. What the fuck are you talking about? Was that one of those? Black I don't own stilettos. I don't, I don't know why they're hanging off the side of the car. <laughs> um, it was my birthday in the week. Yay! Yay. Not they bring it up, but you know how they bring. Not it up. they bring it up. <laughs> Humble brag. Can you brag about having a birthday though? I think I just did. So. <laughs> <laughs> no, but you know, I, I I got some lovely presents. I'm currently wearing my Star Wars Force Awakens T-shirt. What mm. I got from my future mother-in-law. It's looking well. And but I also got from my future brother-in-law a mm. present that I would like to show everyone. I need to go get it. Two seconds. Okay. I also want to point out like the fact that he's saying a lot of future. It's very Star Wars esque. He's not a lot of future. He's just building. He's just he's just building away at that Star Wars. Thing. This is tense. He's never done this. It's so like so I don't know, like showing the hell. It's what a big this? box. Oh, it's in a white box. It's a big. Well, it's a big long box. It's a big box of dildo. <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot of box, Mick. Your brother-in-law. Brother-in-law knows you well. <laughs> oh, I'm excited. See if he whops out a danger bottle. I'm going shit. Is it a light dildo? No. <gasps> What the fuck? Oh. It's a machete. What the fuck is it? Is that legal? It looks like you can screw the top off it. Can you drink out that knife? No. Can you can you see what it says on the on the cover? Oh, engraved leather. He does like you. What does it say? Hair scrambling. It says Rambo first blood. It's Rambo's knife from oh, first God. blood. <laughs> 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 fuck. It really is. Now that certainly has a knife. That's oh, a danger no. knife. Yeah, that's a danger knife. Where will you ever use this? What was <laughs> like? What was the necessity behind buying you a fuck off knife for your birthday? I think it's just the hell. Well, like you just could chop on onions and stuff. I like, was actually like cutting spuds today. Yes, I, was, like, I could I definitely use my rambo knife. You could chop people with. <laughs> 
I found it. Sure, people but have. But you could. Here, gives, <laughs> gives the cover. Would you like to see this nice sheath, Michael? Sheath. Is that what it's called? A sheath. See, I'm I'm so I'm so on. On a, a quite good get up on your knife. If you're knives. gonna start owning knives, you gotta get up in the lingo. You know what I'm saying? The yeah. only only thing I'm very grateful of is that Dom's not here tonight because I get threatened by him. He's got that butter knife in his hand. <laughs> show, show, that again. show us it again. Show us again. I just want to yeah. see. The, I just want to see the top of it. I see that. Well, this is. Well, this is what I was going to say. Is there a compass on the top there? Aye, screw screw the top. Is there a compass on the top? Aye, what? But would you see what else is in it? Mickey, what are we going on the woods, pal? See, there's, there's a wee container with matches and plasters. It's and a, a survival knife. And a fishing line and a hook. <laughs> oh my god. No, I love that. I know my brother's step on my dad fucking obviously confiscated. Because <laughs> he was like 10. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, as, as he should. Where's our, is our compass? Red now? Star. Oh, the, the lid is a compass. Oh. Yeah, Mickey, do you know what I love though? Is that you're the most kind of home loving person of all time this will never be put to use <laughs> oh no I'm going out to the woods now oh yeah where's my big knife hey after <laughs> this Mickey's we're all steaming and we're just like getting a taxi where's the nearest woods I reckon Turn Aaron, go we just <laughs> send me to the trees good man <laughs> just out in the woods and much as it to the forest much as it go see them trees up there man and cheese there and then definitely don't pay for the taxi just flop that <laughs> knife on the boy <laughs> I, I love that though that when I first brought out and Heron thought the handle could be taken off he thought what I thought can you drink out of this? <laughs> <laughs> well, you take a lot of matches and all that bullshit out of it and then put some fucking whiskey in it. Like, you know I, well, there's a spring in it as well. They must have trick, <laughs> eh? Must have trick. Is this why you bought your brother-in-law another knife? Like a return the favour knife for his... Is it his birthday? Brother-in-law? No, it's a Christmas really present a and we're not supposed to mention it. <laughs> oh, shit. Does he listen to the podcast? Nah. That's nah, grand then. If he does listen to the podcast, they would know. That's a great present. It is? That it, is I know, I've, I'm impressed. I was shocked. Not an especially practical present, <laughs> but a great present nonetheless. Hey, put it on display. I mean, do you think it was one of those ones? Like your knife and boys. They put it on display, but also like if you've watched like, do you ever watch films and get really into them and want to like be the person in the film? Yeah. Like, I'm about the house for that. Accidents are bound to happen. Hey, hey, hey next uh, Halloween, Rambo. You know boom. what I mean? <laughs> you need to get in shape, Maggie. Uh, <laughs> no, I've no, got no. a year. <laughs> it's just a costume. <laughs> I used to, f- oh man, Die Hard was like one of my favourite films when I was younger. Do you put about the house in a white vest, no shoes on? That on that. I had a cracker, fucking, uh, uh, we plastic version of an MP5 and all. I love it. And it was the scale, as in, it was the right size for me. So, as a way <laughs> so your dad would buy you that, but he wouldn't buy that whoop. Danger Bottle. Lovely stuff. Is it on the drawer? Uh, no, Heron has it. It's, oh, Heron has it. It's been provided she by Heron. Too. I oh, who oh, wants to go first? Oh. Ladies first. Ladies, Ladies first. first. All right, so I put my danger bottle in my hat that I forgot here last time. It's Lovely. a hat. So it's quite small, but it packs quite a punch. Oh, that's going to be fucking musky. Oh, my God. It's gold oh! yeah. It's got real gold, oh. but so these, this is true fact, fact, right now in fact corner, these gold butts cut the line in your stomach so you get more drunk <laughs> I, I love that I actually brought that the I last mean, time I brought this I brought this, that I brought gold slagger weeks ago and I said the same no, thing no fuck off I brought it you brought it hey did you Chinese steal my gold slagger alright guys <laughs> I brought it this time I brought it settle down <laughs> can oh, we get talked on that straight away I think we should just all have a round of We'll right, announce them both and then we'll put them in the center. Okay, all right. right, okay. There's, all right. there's shot glasses in there if you want oh, to show shit, yes it is. Ooh, fancy. Well, but then I remember always putting them in shot glasses and arguing who over, who got the glass with the most gold butts. Uh, the disaster about this, the last time we had it on the show, 
we all got really, really fucked on Barely Finished, the podcast. So. You said, like, it's a bad thing. Uh, no, it's not a bad thing at all. I loved it. Okay. Right, it's about a throwback 3D. 3D? Oh, God. <laughs> it's about a throwback 3D. So, and this bottle has never uh, had its own, uh, you know, part of the podcast. It's been part of other drinks, but it hasn't had its own uh, I'm appreciation. What this is. I know exactly what it is. It's a baller oh! buck fast. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I was just reading about that this week as well. A good modest buck fast. Yes. <laughs> and it was like it's a it's the downfall of Scotland. <laughs> You're the downfall of Scotland. It's it's, it's the fucking uprising of everywhere. It's oh, awesome. Right. This this is going to be a very bad. Place. Shan, you're the the poor galore. Ooh. It's oh. it's not like as as this has been planned. But as it was my birthday, this is seems to be like a special podcast. Not that oh. keep bringing up my birthday, but I did have a birthday this week. <laughs> did you uh, tell anybody about your cake that you got? Oh, what? yeah, my lovely wife to be to keep on the to be things. Future wife. Future. I know. Fuck that up. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, she she made me a cake in, that looked like to a bottle of popcorn. A bottle. of a bucket of popcorn. <laughs> a bottle of popcorn. Mike, you're all the place on anything. Why does one get out of the bottle of popcorn? <laughs> you can use anything to come out of You're like, come out. <laughs> March, you that's saucy temptress. The bottom. <laughs> that's, that's how it lasts the entire film. You don't mind going go, go to the cinema way away, as you're way, way away. <laughs> <laughs> did you, because that, that, that could be what you said, or it sounds I, like, did you mind going to someone having an away with yourself? <laughs> <laughs> could have been that too. Uh, Down right, the back. <laughs> you think it was less son of a Wayne? As a Wayne. As a Wayne. As a Wayne. With your wee bottle of popcorn. <laughs> <laughs> so. Because you had to sneak in the popcorn. In a bottle. In I saw, yeah, they're Hold not going to notice. So this was in a fuck up. You actually did sneak in a bottle of popcorn. No, I'm. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he was trying to cover his tracks. Right. No, it was a bucket of popcorn gel made me in cake form and it looked very good and people actually thought it was real popcorn the <laughs> the whole of the Bennigan's club uh, Bennigan's film club uh, sang happy birthday and Mike was there right uh, yeah I didn't know that did thing but I harmonising and everything hey, you don't get that most of fucking happy birthday most people don't know fucking they're fucking happy birthday I was like out of key but they kept shifting to be in my key I was, yeah. I was loving it did you lead the happy birthday uh, well no I felt like it though because I was doing nothing in particular in the corner I don't think anybody knew really it was your birthday Yeah, I was doing nothing in particular and I just started singing it I said to my mouth happy birthday I know it sort of Mexican <laughs> waving around and everybody just goes who the fuck we sing happy birthday I know, I know, I know I get anybody actually knew that Mr. President <laughs> you notice when the name came up they're all day Michael I think I just actually literally sang happy birthday to you like seven times yeah. and say no names or nothing <laughs> you? yeah, you're just like shh no names <laughs> shall we get piped on to this wee shot of gold slider that I poured it, here let's do it Colm there you are son Michael birthday boy Thank you. there you are son reminds me of a misspent youth Kiva just to fuck you off and bring you back to your children I've poured you the smallest one <laughs> now I'm joking <laughs> and then myself I so don't like any of them have gold flags Sean, pour it again. You're supposed <laughs> to shake the pop. <laughs> <laughs> to Michael Bresson, curator and creator of Les Thomas Movies. Fantastic. What a fine man he is. Hip hip hooray, hip birthday. Let's get fucking blood. Oh, it's a sweet burn. God damn. I spilled half it on myself, which I put in a nightmare. Oh, it's actually a good. It's like it's burning so in my really, mouth. Really, really nice. Really nice. And she will have a shell of Buckfast now. I was going to say, can we leave the Buckfast for We'll leave that for a while again. That's that is the danger. It gets you fucked too fast. Far too easy. What have we watched this week, folks? 
this week I watched Donnie Brasco. Mm. Um, it was probably my 47th choice from flicking through Netflix. How I thought hard you were going to say 47th th- time. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> I'm very surprised. I was like, I find it impossible on the watch and that, know, the, I, it's like a first word problem you're like, constantly mm. flicking through it's like oh we might watch that but there might be something better <laughs> yeah, exactly right I, but oh, to it's... me yeah I thought I had already seen it I was oh no I've seen this like now I know but I hadn't already seen it watched it liked it it's pretty good mm. it was good for a 47 show I should have I'd through it like three it's times. One it's, it's just your kind of it's two good performances but it's a standard enough we crime exactly problem, like, it's it's very much like it's full of moments so it's full of great moments so yeah know. but i don't think they all add up i think it's better in some of its parts in a way like me i me i enjoyed putting myself in the position of both so yeah. when i say both i mean like the kind of dep who is working for the fbi yep. or the dep uh, who is kind of finding a family yeah and this kind of gangster and i was thinking like if i was in his position like what would i do i don't know like would i give him up there is they they, they, they had that duality pretty well of like would you give him up because the best thing about that is that they present pacino was being actually really likable and he's like not your he's not your standard gangster he's like fucking blowing boys heads off and all that day. he's pretty much still like a kind of lackey to the mafia yeah and he says unruh i mean like he's the jeweler and shit but he he could have been opt as they say or the big mm. guy but he wasn't so you kind of you're feeling the sense of sympathy toward him and then he's putting that sympathy on Depp's character and then you're like as you're like uh, I don't know for a gangster as well he's, he's not showing those sort of stereotypical Joe Pesci sort of traits I mean he does actually just seem kind of warm and he's just a nice man who just also happens to be in the mafia he just seems like yeah. a guy like there's some scenes where he's like especially the one near the end where he's like look I I have a strong suspicion that you got this boat from the FBI, so you're the rat, like, blah, blah, blah. And he has a gun, and he's like, Are you? and Depp kind of gets his way out of it. He's it's, all, no, It's no, when no, he points no. a gun to his head. Yeah. I think that, that really seems like an improvised moment. That's when it, the scene really elevates to me, when he's just like, because you see if that is the fucking FBI, and he puts a gun to his head, you're like, it's it's sort of terrifying. Really see that, si- see that same scene, but see just before, when they're in the car, mm-hmm. and he kind of accuses them of it and gets mm. out of it and then they're approaching the boat and then he's he's saying like Pacino's saying like oh no I wasn't really accusing you you know you're I'm your best friend I was you know he yeah. just seems like he's not even sure of himself or uh, you know and the only truth about Lefty comes from uh, Sonny Black Michael Madsen's character when he says you think Lefty's helping you but he's hurting you mm. and he says when he has them three spritzers and he just you know that kind of thing and that has that's a I I think it's it's a film full of subtleties, but I think there, I think it's it's Mike Newell directs it and he directed Harry Potter and uh, the Goblet of Fire, and I think there's there's one moment that was the really important moment, and then the moment to me is when Johnny Depp goes under the garage. It's towards the end when he goes to get the money to buy the boat to save Lefty, and I think the wife slaps him. Or no, he slaps her. I think it is. What a bastard! And then she says, "You're turned under them." And he says, "I'm not turned under them. I am them." Aye. Yeah. And I always thought that scene needed a wee bit more. Yeah. And it's the same way. And I thought that actually that, that true to me when you said. I was like, yeah. Th- I was like, remember back watching it. I was like, as I got that needed a wee bit more. 
And I think that oh, it's all, that's that is the scene. That is the fucking scene that yeah. sums up Donnie Brasco. Like you've seen the, that scene of Stagger Two. It's just it's all it's all yeah. in that scene. Do you know what I mean? And then the same thing happens. I mean, I know it's Harry Potter, it's different, but it's it's just after uh when they come back from when the the port key or whatever happens and they come back and they find out Cedric Diggory's dead. And it's the first time where really Daniel Radcliffe has to really fucking bring it uh, and has act, act. And it's the weakest dramatic scene in the whole film. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Everything else, everything, all, all about great shots and all the actors and all the fucking costumes you can throw at it, but he ain't good in it. When you're, when you're talking about that Harry Potter scene, all I was thinking, if I was a schooly har- Harry Potter at that stage, I'd be like, you fucking killed that bastard. You didn't like, you, you he didn't deliver to me. A good enough performance for uh, me to believe him. Exactly, yeah. it's, a, it, it, it's a it's because he's he's great at the rest of them. Sorry, I shan't two seconds, but it's great at the rest of them, and it's just I think that was a problem in those two things. Is like those those are the key scenes of those films, and if you don't, I know they're climactic, and I know there's a lot going on, and I know you're probably in a rush, but if you can't figure out where your fucking linchpin scene is, then you're fucked. Is that a criticism of Mike Newell? A wee bit, mm, but I still love Donnie Brasco, and I still think Goblet of Fire. It's probably the weaker of the whole series. One of the, one of the weaker, anyway. Not of the whole. No, you can't say that. Of the Harry Potter's. Yeah, like it's I one of the weaker ones. Like the earlier ones, though, do tend to be a wee bit weaker. I mean, like, I, mean I guess because Rad- they're Radcliffe. a bit childish, though. I yeah. guess you can be. But even Radcliffe mistaken. and most of that cast have, have come out and said that they're embarrassed watching maybe even the first two or three because they're acting on so long. Maybe it, it's because they're just so go along young, No, that's it's obviously because <laughs> of their age. Like, but see, no, that's what I'm saying. That the problem with it was is is that. In Goblet of Fire, I thought it was the first time you actually seen them start to act properly. And that could have know? been an and amazing. And they were yeah. amazing. You know, I actually thought it was like, right, Jesus, these ones are turning around. They're fucking good actors. These, the, like the three of them. And I was like, this is really good. But the one scene that I really needed it was that scene. Yeah. And it wasn't, it was the same thing I had with Donnie Brasco. It was just, I thought that scene, it needed to be darker. Tr- it's true that you pointed it out. Just there. one other point as well about Donnie Brasco. I think a, a reason that I like the film. It's just the fact that you see Johnny Depp playing a normal human being. I mean, like, if you think, that was always my skate until Black Masses came out recently. I always used to say that because Depp's career had taken a lot of hits because he's had so many box office flops in the past few years, I kept saying to Michael, like, Michael? That's the first time I called you Michael in years. Yeah. But, and that just shows I'm serious. But <laughs> I kept saying to Mickey that he needs just to go back to basics and actually start acting, stop playing cartoons, stop playing the Mad Hatter and putting out the same one-look performance or stop looking for wackiness because you can play human beings unbelievably well. You don't have throughout the early 90s, you know, like in Dead Man and Donnie Brasco and Ed Wood and stuff like that. So it's just nice to see him actually portray a character that you can relate to. It was as very a, refreshing for aye. me to watch. Mm-hmm. Like. As opposed to someone that's kind of out of this world or just, you know, wacky. Donnie Brasco, uh, I would... Me and my, I've really enjoyed it. I would give it solid eight, eight Ooh, out of ten. Not bad. That was very good. You want to quote any opportunity quotes or first thing? When you're walking your doggy. I was, I was your best friend. I'm your yeah, best you're friend. You're walking the doggy. No, that's hate. I know. All right, I thought. I, I thought you just meant in general. Oh, no, right. <laughs> Donny Brasco. Was this quotes, just like, an open opportunity to quote? No. So fugazi. I die with you, Donny. I die with you. <laughs> I love you, Donny. Clearly had a quote in mind. Why didn't you just? Why didn't you? Why did you ask me? Put me on the spot. You look silly. Right. We'll move on. Um, <laughs> don't this move week on. I watched <laughs> The Hunger Games: Mockingjay Part Two. Oh, what? Is that the new one? Yeah. I, I, I watched it in French. One, no harm, because ah, of the part bonjour. <laughs> bonjour. 
Already went to. <laughs> I didn't even know it was. I did a cinema with my bottle of popcorn. And, uh, <laughs> no, I, I I enjoyed it. I think it's a good ending to the whole series, and any fans of the series won't be disappointed with the way it ends. Did you watch the rest of them? Yeah. I know. <laughs> no, I I I've enjoyed all of them. Like, I mean, keep your cynicism to yourself over there, Colin. I you just for one second. Lawrence. Well, yeah, that's a given. <laughs> <laughs> I just think it's like a very nice version uh, of like better battle royale. <laughs> battle royale, yeah. exactly. It's family friendly battle royale, just essentially. Yeah. Like, anyway, what do you think? Sorry, it's... sorry. No, yeah, I, I really enjoyed it because the, the the things I enjoyed about the previous ones is I I, I like the action and the, all the actual games in the Hunger Games, like the traps and all. It always enjoys those elements, and the thing I I didn't like about the last one is there wasn't enough of that mm. and there's True. way there's way more of it in this one and you actually have the traps and all the snow pots around the, the capital for the rebellion coming yeah. in and stuff mm. so that's pretty cool and then the other aspect i liked of it is the whole kind of politics behind everything and something that i really did like about the last one is that they're they're using katniss as just propaganda for yeah. the rebellion and i just thought it's already just good way to look at it the, the whole politics behind it obviously this is part of the books as well but i think they've done a really good job showing that visually especially films that are directed toward kind of young people and teenagers of trying to make the political aspect they had sort of engaging as well and they've done mm. that and it just really this is just the, the world that they created where it's pan am on there pan am pan am pan am how they kind of separate what are you, what are you yeah. mean, like zones or yeah, districts district, district, district 12 she's from yeah, and yeah. Yeah, district 12 they did a really good job of showing like the different districts and how like the capital is like a really rich district and then district 12 where she's from is like farmland and it's really run down and, and that's pure like that. happens to be the crappest one aye. like why that's the one that supports the rest of them exactly yeah. the most that fucking gives them, important yeah, one it gives like, them the craps the and shit like that but uh, no, I think you said it perfectly that they made kind of the whole politics like really accessible because obviously it's like a young adult novel and all air. But like I, I wouldn't be well into politics, but I found the way they presented it really interesting, and I just enjoyed all that the whole aspect of it. I think the 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 main problem I have with it is that the part one and two it should have been one film, hundred percent. It should have been. It's it's too drawn out, like, and it repeats itself a lot in in the first one and in the second one. Like, there's, there's a bit in the second one, I'm not going to say specifically what happens, but a, a thing happens that happened earlier on in the film. And when it happens, I just thought, like, fuck's sake, she's not going to do a lot of stuff again. <laughs> Even, like, part one, I was astounded. I mean, obviously, you know why they split on the, the two things. That's just the, the thing they do now. It's they make more money, etc., well, etc. Apparently, my sister read the book, and apparently the book does have part one and part two in it as well. Yeah. I know that's no justification, but I know it's in the book. <laughs> the first one, though, sorry, part one, is, it's such a slog. I mean, yeah. especially because the action and one thing that I've always said, one of the most important things about any film is the pacing. The pacing of one and two is excellent. And I mean, like both those films are like nearly two hours long and it just flies by. Yeah. Whereas I think that part one is shorter than that and it feels like about three hours long. Like, nah, I'm right. It's all like the sort of build up, but they could have done the build up in the first half an hour of one United film yeah. and then just done all the action then. But then is that down to the limitations of... The studios that there's no limitations at studios. It's just down to them making money. I think. Like, uh, no, but that's what I mean. Like yeah, they're yeah, saying, yeah. like you pretty much yeah. make this. Oh, 100. That, that's the exact reason. I mean, why bring it dry. I mean, like know? if if you look at the first two, the way they both worked is that they have the whole kind of politics, but the, all the talky bit, and then the la the second half is the Hunger Games, the mm -hmm. action, the motion, the dying, and the air. 
and that's kind of how these two films work as well so it could have just been a third film you know what I mean? yeah but in saying that it's it's still a good watch and anybody that likes series will enjoy it the only other problem i had is it has a bit of a lord of the rings about it that it ends about five times uh, yeah. <laughs> it ends then it ends again i can't handle it and then it ends again and then when you think it's ended there's another end in there <laughs> what one of the things that the again tv tropes always bring it up but they have like a trope for it. it's called ending fatigue it's yeah. like, <laughs> and they call it ending that's fatigue like you've seen the ending and you're like oh that's a perfect way to tie it up Perfect. and then there's and another scene uh, i had that thing scene, uh. have you guys watched like twilight all of twilight no, i've watched none of them right no, I've so, watched the, some of them. so the <laughs> last twilight i only watched the first one and the very last one and i watched a bit of the one where she sat for eight months looking out a window <laughs> she really, no, I, no, I'm, that's the I'm genuinely one, not exaggerating See, I, that I've happened seen, i turned it off these films because she sat no, I don't know. She just looked out the window. She was like, oh, Edward, the, what's going on? Aye, that's the one Edward fucks off aye, and then right, she, she starts hanging about with the werewolf. So, right. Spotter. But see, the last Twilight film I went to see at in the <laughs> cinema. A werewolf. And, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, as you do, vampire. So. But they ha- it had the best ending. The film is like, everyone died. All the people that hate, I mean, people love them, but I hated them. They all died. I was like, oh my God, it's crazy. It's great. It was someone's dream. Oh, they didn't go for it. It was someone's they? fucking yeah. dream. Fucking it was the story that everyone wrote in primary fucking seven. JR, that man. you woke up with your head in the cornflakes <laughs> and then it went on. And Sorry. You know what? I, I am astounded <laughs> that they done that because that is seen as the most Cliche, not only that, but the most cliched piece of la- lazy writing that there is. Like, Jesus Christ! No, she, she's she, psychic. <laughs> she's psychic. Do, do you know her? Yeah, she is psychic. Yeah, that no, I know. Completely explains Akiva. I don't know what your problem is. With I know, but I think the first ending would have been better. When it was fair. And actually, it was the first thing, and, and I haven't seen them all, but in a lot of them, I actually felt something. I was like, oh. Yeah. And then joy. they took it away from me. <laughs> they took that feeling away. Like, I, know we I didn't say joy. We were talking about how you like I was be fucking bitter about the whole fucking the Hunger Games thing and all there, but it's sort of I was just thinking about it as you were talking about it, and you know I mean you've got Lord of the Rings, bada bada bada, good against evil, big battle. Harry Potter, good against evil, big fucking battle. Hunger Games, good against evil, big fucking battle. You know at the end, and it's. This is this is why I, I couldn't be bothered about it. Like, mm. do you know what I mean? It's just it's a different set and it's a different thing else here. But in my head, I kind of think maybe are because I mean, let's just face it. Like, there's, there's only a certain amount of stories that can really be ever told. Like, yeah. do you know what I mean? And it's like who remembers a hero's journey? Eleven. Exactly. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. No, but I mean, is is that an important thing to tell? It's just I just think it makes for boring cinema. But at the same time. I understand and I mean I'm, I'm kind of wondering is there somebody in there with a fucking political message going well keep making this here because it'll steep into the fucking society and That's even how shit it is it'll fucking make people go maybe I shouldn't be supporting this big fucking political thing maybe I should be doing this either. maybe it, I, I can't imagine that that's what people are thinking but hopefully that is what sort of happens that they don't you know take everything at face value and they start fucking well, whatever see, uh, but th- at I the think, same time I, think, I, I, I don't know I'm I think the whole kind of too, like. the politics aspect of it that it could kind of awaken someone in people and just kind of make them think um, a bit more like even if it's someone as basic that 
they see a politician talking and then they, and, and they but then they see fucking president snow talking on the thing and you know I mean, he's full of balls I mean, like, so this, this is why i'm talking about i mean this is why those films are are deliberately so basic and so clean, so clean cut people think that they're very basic but they're basic because they apply to your you know your hitlers your stalins your yeah your bushes or whatever any of your big people that you consider that were fucking plastered all over fucking mediocrity at any point that you felt that boy's delivering you know turned on day by that tyrant you know and i think that's why they're basic and i can kind of understand but the reason that i find that film was born is because i know the message but i think is it maybe important i'm just i'm just talking out loud here but i think is it maybe important that this film this type of film happens every generation I think it's just the basic concept of the good versus evil. It's the most basic story that you can tell. Jesus, it's done in Star Wars. It's done one of your favourites, Harry Potter. It's done Lord of the Rings. And that's just a very easy format for a narrative. I think that the Hunger Games actually achieved a lot, not only through creating the world and, and putting that political aspect on. And they basically do have stormtroopers. And they basically <laughs> do have stormtroopers. But I think that a, a good thing about it is that whereas if you watch like maybe a, a fantasy series of films, like be it Lord of the Rings or be it Harry Potter, you're loving the spectacle and you're you know engaged with the story and the characters and it draws you in but the hunger games has it over most as well that because it's sort of socio-political but it's not really pointing the finger at any sort of type of regime yeah. that you can engage with it more because it feels a lot more human as opposed like she's fighting a tyrannical state as opposed to fighting a big fuck off orc or a fucking witch or a wizard or whatever else you know but, what i mean but the thing with her as well that even though she's on a particular side, she doesn't even really trust that side mm. because of the and way they're, they're, they're treating think, her. I think that's, and that's that that's a really interesting thing. About the big it. message is, folks, don't trust anybody. The world is shit. Never yeah. trust anyone. But you guys <laughs> should trust me. Trust yeah, we're really. Especially, and Kiva, trust me. Text me. Two eight one two three. <laughs> <laughs> I actually thought for a second you were giving out your actual number. Try that number. And it'll leave nowhere. <laughs> it's only five, but you can probably me. guess the rest. Of them. <laughs> uh, two more things quickly about the Hunger Games. One, there's this team of about ten people that they're making the events on the capital, and not nothing has happened for a while. And then you're thinking, right. There's only three of these people you actually care about. Stack seasons are getting fucking good. The red shirts. Second thing, I completely forgot it was Philip Seymour Hoffman's last film. Yeah, until I brought it up <gasps> oh, in the kitchen earlier on. Shit. No, well, I realized during the film. <laughs> no, the, the film started and he he's in like the very first scene and thought and just thought like fuck I forgot he was in this film. And there's there's a scene at the very end where it's it's pretty obvious it was supposed to be his scene but obviously they hadn't shot it so the, you, you get a bit of fit in there but it's it, the way they've done it's kind of like a nice kind of sign off for his character as well mm, so yeah. I thought that was quite nice cool, no. cool. R.A.P. Hoffman we love what him. happens I'm never going to watch it <laughs> I'm not going to spoil don't it don't tell me because <laughs> I, I, oh, okay, I am going to watch it I was taking the piss anyway. if, you, if you had to rate it like one one to ten of Katniss Deans how many Katniss Deans would you give it <laughs> Many day I want. <laughs> 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 oh, oh, also, before you actually read, I have a. Michael I don't know if you have heard Brent this. Brent. I have a, a tidbit trivia about her. So, Jennifer Lawrence, Katniss Everdeen. Yeah. Her on stage or on site nickname was Cat Piss Never Clean. <laughs> <laughs> uh, have you heard this? No. The reason why. 
your dirty bitch. Uh, well, <laughs> yeah. So, you know, they, have, they, like, get made up to be in the forest, and they're all run free, and they're dirty. She'd be like, I'm not getting, like, sex. Like, do it on. She would keep it on for weeks, apparently. Uh, and uh, they were shooting in the forest, so she would just pee anywhere. So she was cat pissing and everything. Lovely stuff. Okay, Harima, did you watch this week? Aliens? Yeah. Is there she aliens? Yes. Uh, fucking some shit away. It was, uh, I watched it uh, a few years ago. I'm not a massive uh, horror or sci-fi kind of fan, but I know just uh, a couple of friends of mine are big composers, and uh, they they like they like um, uh, Jerry Goldsmith who composed the score for Aliens, and they just used to play it all the time and this kind of thing. So, um, a few years ago I watched it. And I thought it was class, but as this is, I'm not into horror aliens and this kind of thing. I never feel like, like sort of, I don't know, scary things. But, uh, <laughs> 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 oh, boo. oh, God. <laughs> but, uh, no, uh, <laughs> we listen to this podcast. Yeah, <laughs> 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 what do you call it? I watched it a few years ago, but then the other night it was on. I says, all right, no, I'll stick it on. It's good film and all. And, uh, but uh, for whatever fucking flack James Cameron's got, no, that's why, like, I mean, he definitely once was a fucking serious he's a serious master at it like and it's one of those films where you just I was saying to Shan early you really see the money on the fucking screen like yeah yeah you know and e- even for it you know as I was saying about the Jason Bourne thing and all like I mean it's just like alright let's give Jason Bourne another reason to come out of hiding and start fucking killing boys and all that kind of stuff but this sort of has a really good reason she was drifting away and on a spaceship that she left off from the first one and the the starts quite the starts actually quite sad because um she wakes up and she finds out that her her daughter that she once had had, had died mm-hmm. you know recently and she had loved a full life and because of space and all this kind of stuff um uh she'd been drifting in orbit for sixty years or something like this here and her daughter had already died yeah. it's told you in a dream but then when you wake up you find out she's sitting looking at a picture that her daughter had actually died. And which contributes to a story later on with the new character and stuff, but um, just in, in terms of set and in terms of look and in terms of just the way it's shot, uh, and just it's one of those films. It's just every fucking thing about it is right on, like. Yep. Yeah, hundred percent agree. I think that what you were saying about Cameron's exactly right too. What I've always found most impressive about Aliens is that it has a seamless quality from Alien to Aliens and it looks the same and it feels like the same world and he's kind of taken on the mantle from Ridley Scott but what's even more impressive is whereas Alien is more a psychological horror and it's more about this dread and the build up he then took that world and made it a complete nutter just action film really mm, you know what I mean yeah. and it's more kind of gung ho and the baby do that even they have the balls to do that but the baby do it fucking so well and there's arguments of what's better you know Alien or Aliens even though they're kind of two completely different films only set from the same world mm-hmm. It just shows how fucking well I don't look, you know what I mean? He did a fucking serious job. And, and like Wait, who did you say was the, the composer on it? Uh, Jerry Goldsmith. No, it was James Horner. was Aliens. Mm. Oh, what the It's James Horner. Was <laughs> Jerry Goldsmith the alien? Um, get your iPad out. <laughs> <laughs> no, I see, I where's, t- where's Colin because they they, they fucking they love both. No, I think you're right. You're right. It's it's that's not Jerry Goldsmith. It's, it's James Horner. It's James Horner, right? Because I know that because I think he did the first one, and there was like an alternative score, the the first film that he composed. Yeah, Jerry Goldsmith was Alien. 
Yeah, right. Yeah. Okay. Sort of. Well, there's not alternate school of Jagos, but we're not talking about it anymore. We're talking about it. So, James Horner. Right, cause he 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 did all of Jimmy Cameron stuff at right, Arthur. Okay. Jimmy. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Our friend. Terms. <laughs> lovely, lovely stuff. I'd but, still um, J. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like it's what um, Mark Hamill talks about when he talks about The Exorcist. He says it's otherworldly, and it really takes you away. And it, you just you get sucked in this world, man, and you just believe it, and yeah. you believe the stakes of it. I mean, I was watching, as I said, I talked about Spectre last week. And w- when you're not afraid of the stakes of the universe that you're presented on the film, then you don't give a fuck. Yeah. Whereas when you're, I mean, we're presented with the stakes in this film, which is fucking aliens baiting around, <laughs> killing boys. Yeah. You I know, it's sort of, <laughs> and because they've established it so well with just all the setup, and because they, I mean, the same techniques are artwork and aliens that are inspector that you take ages to reveal like the characters but the way it's built up in aliens perhaps because it's a sequel and you know what's coming but it, it's just better directed it's better written it's a fucking better film man i think it's really impressive that besides ripley really no character from alien is in aliens yeah. and not only did james cameron have the time and the power to be able to introduce all these characters but they're all so well fleshed out and they're almost now templates for any other kind of team action film or a team like a commando squad team SWAT team squad team just sitting there <laughs> but like a, a, a commando SWAT team goes on a hard time <laughs> <laughs> I've been squatting here for 10 years man <laughs> <laughs> give me a gun give me a gun but I mean those characters give me a gun like even like fucking ball packs and stuff like that they're, they're so well rounded out so that alone is, is fucking unbelievably impressive and at that too the fact that he obviously seen a, a basic strength of alien the strength of alien that is obviously the aliens aren't seen as much in alien and it's more built up and it's that sort of nothing is scarier sort of thing where it's you know playing in your mind and then when they do reveal themselves you're like what the fuck is that boy's head but then <laughs> but then like he obviously some s- fucking girl on that boy serious girl on that boy like slabbers on him too but uh, he obviously uh, he obviously realised that the xenomorphs were scary so he thought to himself why do the same thing again and not reveal them why just not have fucking stacks of aliens coming at you non-stop it's such mm-hmm. a basic fucking trick to do but he obviously yeah. realised that the Xenomorphs were scaring off in their own right he didn't have to kind of closet them or cloak them anymore uh, like he, Ridley Scott did you could imagine like Jimmy Cameron sitting down with Ridley Scott and just being all alien bright and full class it was amazing what about aliens <laughs> 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 Uh, what about the plural, my boy? I have like two or more. <laughs> <laughs> Give me the plural, my son. I think about 13. <laughs> they, 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 Jesus, they set this fucking thing up so well. You know, it's like you've seen it and fucking Ripley's seen it. And you and Ripley are you, you as the audience yeah. and Ripley are the only person that have fucking seen these fucking wangers in action like aye cause yeah. everybody else you know? is kind of like oh let's fucking go to this aye, thing and she's all no you thing. don't and then fucking realise it's for a very good reason you know when you find out later it's a fucking pure conspiracy and a plot yeah. and you're like that's Jesus Christ you know from every single fucking department that film from set design they establish the fucking how fucking tense it is to the fucking director of photography and the editing just for time you know when they did they discover the queen at the end yeah because and and actually because when you see the film when you know what happens at the end 
I'm the constantly subtly set it up. And it's just like these things are like ants, man. There's like a queen. That queen's fucking badass, man. She like, you know, laying eggs, you know, ball packs. <laughs> being, be, being this fucking mad fucking surfer. Game Army over, boys. man. Game, like game over, man. <laughs> game over. Apparently that line was improvised. It is. Uh, even though it's probably the most famous fucking line from the film. It's brilliant. It was, it, was on, it was just like, I'd say we just take off and they just nuke them from space and then ball packs and it's just all, fucking A. <laughs> 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 it's fucking class. And it's just, you know, stuff like that there just doesn't happen on a really scale film. Like, and it's just, that's a pure James Cameron kind of thing. Like, but, oh, fuck, man. It just, oh, it really fucking has you. And do you know what? The Xenomorph uh, sequences when they're chasing them, they aren't the scariest. Uh, it's it's that fucking scene where Ripley sleeps with a wee girl and the what? <laughs> the wee girl sort of hi- hiding under the bed because she's used to being hiding from these fucking Xenomorphs. Yeah. And then Ripley sort of sleeps in because it's this whole thing of Ripley's daughter's dead and the girl's parents have de- uh, died. So there's this whole thing where they, you know, they have a connection and they go to sleep. And then Ripley wakes up and sees one, uh, two of the jars smashed uh, from the face hoggers. And she's just all, holy fuck, where's my pulse rifle? <laughs> <laughs> Where the fuck is my gat? <laughs> she not let me flame she, she reaches up and she's all, pulse rifle's gone. Somebody's been at this fucking room, like. And uh, it's just, and you just see two of them face hoggers crawling, and they are the scariest yeah, fuckers they in are the, the fucking They are. Xenomorphs are bad. But somebody jumping in your face and fucking sticking something down your throat, they plant a fucking egg that scares the absolute fucking yeah. shit. That's like face rape. Yeah, well, that's that's, that's the whole point. Face rape plus pregnancy. The whole thing is, is an alien, and then to to a certain extent, aliens is supposed to be about male rape, and like there's been essays glore wrote on this about how. The xenomorphs in general, because they're kind of defiling people's bodies and then obviously impregnating people too, that lends a way more uncomfortable aspect than just your kind of general it's monster, horrible. general beastie. Okay, Kiva's requesting everybody does another shot of Gorschlager. All right, cheers. You know, cheers. A masquerading topic. Okay, cheers. Cheers. Lovely stuff. Oh, God. Chad. Text me back here, boys. Text me back. What have you watched this week? Um... Uh, this week I rewatched Scream. First time I watched it in Scream fucking years. Was I. it last like night? Like original for original. Was yeah, it on right? last night? We watched it last no, night. No, no, I watched no? It on fucking Netflix. What it was was obviously it was in Edinburgh this week, and then we had a fucking early flight on Thursday morning at like eight o'clock. So I kind of had to be in bed early on Wednesday night. Had fuck all to do. Watched everything I wanted to watch Netflix, so I watched on Scream, and I kind of just watched it because I hadn't seen it in so long, and I wanted to see how it kind of held up. And obviously, because they talk about deconstructions and reconstructions and me especially talk a lot about slasher films on this podcast so I just actually wanted to see what it was like through an adult set eyes because yeah. I haven't watched it since I was like 15 I think what I find crazy is that and I didn't realise this until I was watching it Scream is obviously one of the most famous deconstructions of the slasher genre and the slasher genre obviously started with Halloween 1979 not going to bring up John Carpenter even though I just done but there's 17 years between 1979 and 1996 when Scream was released. Some good math. But no, what I find crazy is that more time has passed since Halloween to Scream from Scream to modern day. And what I find kind of mental is that if Scream was deconstructing the tropes and everything else that had been brought up in the slasher genre of the previous 17 years before it, 
And since then, we've had like a kind of spit of scream imitators, like I know what you did last summer in Urban Legend, and then that got tiresome. And then it just went under the recreations of loose classic slasher genres like Fred the 13th, etc., etc. Freddy versus Jason. Freddy versus Jason. And then we've just, in the past couple of years, had like Gornos and stuff like that. And, you know, like uh, found footage horror. And then recently been going back into supernatural horror. I've said all this before, so I don't really go on it. But what I found interesting is because most films now, horror films at us, are very, very genre savvy because of Scream. And they're kind of mild deconstructions in a way before they become reconstructions where does it go from here you know i mean that's what i thought to myself if there's been a a, a larger amount of time that has passed since scream's been released uh, from when it was actually fucking deconstructing the films it was on about in the late 70s then where does it go and i wasn't quite sure i think now that it because most horror films are so genre savvy they're like a crossroads they don't know whether they want to just be the standard trope-filled films of yesteryear and be supernatural like The Conjuring which is very very straight or they want to be like well fair enough this is like a comedy horror but like The Final Girls which is a film I watched recently as well which is a complete deconstruction of the slasher film but it's also a comedy and also a drama about a girl who is seeking sort of closure after her mother's death and it's just for a horror fan and for somebody who reads a lot about the constructs of horror and like what horror means in the time periods that we've been living on because it always is a reflection. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Of the fears of that decade or the fears of that time, it's very interesting to me to see where we go from here in regards to it. Now, it actually sounds like a topic. Maybe it will be a topic for a fucking litter day. Does sound like a topic? Yeah. <laughs> I, no, I'm with you. Yeah, it, it was something that, uh, what do you call him? Uh... <coughs> oh, that boy. <laughs> you scared me. You scared me. That's his first and second name. <laughs> That's why his films are so scary. Directed by, oh, Jesus <laughs> Christ. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to You want my signature? It's not happening. <laughs> <laughs> want my signature? Give us a Kleenex. <laughs> Yeah, give us that check. That fucking schneeze on it. <laughs> it's just fucking <laughs> prints all over again. <laughs> but uh, it was something Baz Luhrmann said. He said in a few different interviews. He said on uh, the story of film, if you've ever watched it, the Mark yep. Cousins doc. Amazing. But, uh, Love that. It's something that really rings true. Is he said there's a constant acceptance of tradition and a rebellion against tradition and he says it happens every 10 to 15 years in every walk of life not just film of course I and all sorts of art all sorts of politics you everything know, also, everything trends everything clothes fashion hair all sorts and opinions and everything um, it just generally does happen in that sort of way I think with what Shem is saying um, 
I think because we've had deconstructions and then the reconstructions of we're going back to Halloween. We're back in Halloween. I think there's going to be something new that's going to happen. I don't quite know what it is yet. But if you did, you'd be mudded because you'd be the boy with, no, no, the boy with no, a finger no, no. and a pulse. No, I, I wasn't saying I don't quite know what I'm saying. We don't quite know what it is yet. None of us do, like. I, th- no, I think no, I, I think I it's going to be something a wee yeah, bit. It's it's going to be know? a it's going to be a wee bit more a wee bit more carnal, a wee bit more human, because every time these things happen, it goes right down to that bone, and it's going to be something, because the problem things with things I find scary are the things that are close to home. Like exa- that's, that's what I really find that's that's psychological and I think and the last unless we while I think that's what, what hasn't happened and I think that's that's gonna happen again and see the problem th- not the problem the best thing about these traditions is that every time we do them they get more and more sophisticated mm. so every time we come back to you know the reconstruction it gets a wee bit more sophisticated it gets a wee bit more under the psyche or it gets under the psyche of what's happening now and the construction's exactly the same. You know, they get a wee bit more human. I mean, for example, Scream, when it did happen, it got it got under the consciousness of people watching horror films, which was just a ho- huge thing. All right, no, we're, we're, we're not in any danger here because there's a horror film again. He knows all the tropes. I was like, no, we are in fucking danger because we're not dealing with a guy that uh, deals in tropes. We're dealing with a guy out there with a fucking knife. Yeah. And he's fucking running after all of us. He's not walking after us like Michael Myers. He's running after us with a fucking yeah. knife. He's going to cut us down. And as well, he's not some sort of supernatural-esque. And, he, and he's like one of us. We don't know who yeah. he is, but he's one of us. You know just, that then, that's why I like about Scream that Ghostface, is, he's like a bit clumsy. <laughs> and so yeah. like They can kind of knock him over and try and get away. <laughs> like, he's like with Michael Myers stuff. Like, that's what feels dangerous there, about it, though. Got you, yeah, you know exactly. what I mean? No, but that's what feels fucking dangerous about Scream. But what I was going to say was... It's it's going to go on, and I think I don't care know what it goes on, but every single time that the three of these things, like a deconstruction, a reconstruction, or just a completely new thing happens, it's always more sophisticated. But that's just generally the pattern. We don't know what the new thing's going to be, but it's just always just going to be more sophisticated than the last time. Hundred percent. And then, sorry, keep you in like a point. No, go ahead. No, no the only thing I was going to say, and then definitely you can you can go straight into it. Then is that. All enough, me and Kiva were talking about the Babadook recently and you're talking about human horror. And the reason that the Babadook, I think, is so powerful and one of the best horror films of the past couple of years is because it dresses itself as a supernatural horror. And it's like the Sixth Sense as well, which dresses itself as a supernatural horror. But the real horror in that, and I would say the main crux of that narrative is actually the human level. The scariest thing about that film is when this woman, who is obviously dealing with depression after the death of her husband, is freaking out and she's got like a five or six year old in the house and then when it goes on and on she's starting to get she's more and more violent that child yeah she's abusing that child and it's not about this sort of ghoulie who is hanging about the house which is just a fucking allegory for depression yeah it's the fact that there's this woman who can't cope with her grief and there's a child in the house where what is she going to do to that child eventually is she going to hurt that child is she going to and, and towards the end then she starts fucking threatening to kill that child that's scary but you're exactly right there's always cycles in every walk of life, never mind film genre, never mind film fucking writing or, or, or film movements. But the main question I was trying to get the we Scream is if Scream was a deconstruction of a established genre, and even that genre in itself, the slasher, was a subgenre of just horror in general, or a subgenre of almost like exploitation films, is it going to be that we're going to have a deconstruction of a deconstruction? Is that the next mm-hmm. step 
for horror films is there going to be a de- meta meta as I'm saying meta meta like Inception up in here but I mean like <laughs> is there going to be a deconstruction of the deconstructed slasher but is there going to be people well, looking at fucking like the likes of Scream and Parody and Scream for maybe it's short sightedness or maybe Parody and Scream for it's bound to happen have you guys seen the audition yeah audition yeah of course that's like for me I think that's the premise of what simple horror is yes that like nothing happens nothing fucking happens but you get like within that like 55 minutes of nothing happening maybe 12 seconds here and 12 seconds there of like and then it's completely on a human level I remember when I first watched Audition I thought because I'd always heard it's that up. it's what, what is Audition I don't know this film what, like, what's a- the Audition is a story about a guy looking for a wife uh, his son is maybe not so much into the idea he meets a nice girl basically it it goes from very nice, 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 nothing happens for about two hours to complete insanity. Yeah. Insanity. I mean, she's using, like, cheese wires to cut the bones of his legs off. Oh, like, Jesus. it's absolutely insane. Like, it's a, it's a strange one audition because it goes from being, like, obviously... <laughs> 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 obviously That's a... On that film, I think it's a nice wee mash audition. I think that's why it's really tough mm. to kind of categorize it in the genre. But audition starts out, you obviously know when you bought the ticket for the film, it's going to be a horror. And then I remember watching it for the first time when I was waiting. Well, then it, no, yeah, but no, but that's hard. what yeah, I mean. Yeah, 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 I'm then, agreeing with you when you're yeah. saying, like, you first go in, you think, oh, no, it's, oh, it's fine. About and then, when no, I, not, and then you're like, you can't even look because the, the, there's there's an underlying sense of dread that goes throughout the first hour, but nothing's actually really happening. Because happened. all you see is like a fucking like panscape of like someone, it, you know it's a human being inside a bag. You know yeah. what are you doing inside a bag? No one's <laughs> going near them. Help them. Help them. Now the thing that kind of popped into my head just as we were talking about this, like you're saying like, Scream is a deconstruction, so what way can it like stem off from that? Then like, is there going to be a deconstruction of the deconstruction, like the meta meta? Somebody's bango card's going to go on the overdrive and I like meta squared. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, it's like sandwich and a sandwich. Done. <laughs> have you ever had a sandwich and a sandwich? I have I? <laughs> have you ever had a biscuit and a sandwich? <laughs> <laughs> Sucks. <laughs> had, had an apple in a sandwich one time. Don't know what it was that thinking. That sounds ridiculous. Like you must have been fucking ruined. Uh, no, it was sex. <laughs> <laughs> That's cute. I can fight you trying to make it. No, top toes up onto the work counter. <laughs> Don't even cut the apple. Just full apple and say two bits of bread. <laughs> I was a meat in a sandwich, man. Then. <laughs> no, I, joke, I joke I joke right what there, he right. fuck that <laughs> <laughs> no, was a top slice no but what I was thinking of the the, the meta squared is uh, if if he did like a horror film but nothing actually happens like it's someone in a house on their own and it's just their own paranoia kind of getting them like they hear a noise ah, of like that's... of like the uh, the boiler going on or something yeah. and then they, they go that's... to op- open the door and nothing's there and it's just literally this person freaking out on their own. Yeah, like they're so but ridiculously like, genre put savvy. The, put yeah, the production value into every fear course, that yeah. they have. But like, like they're so ridiculously good. genre savvy that 
they're so well in the know that every single wee trope of horror that they've ever seen on film, even though it's just a modern day, everyday thing, exactly. is scaring them. They're thinking exactly. too much about it. In all fairness, well, how could you? Because I mean, that could very easily then just kind of run on the comedy territory. I think you know what I mean. Well, no, if if but if you build the suspense up like a horror film and like. And it, it, you're basically just tricking the audience. Like, right, something has to happen this time. Something has to happen story. this time. I'm actually probably no joking, one will like this film. It's not <laughs> even. It's not even because I've had a couple of vodkas, but I think that's a fucking belting idea for a script. Hey, right co- here, co- co- copyright. Sorry. Let's talk more movies. We're wrecking this one. Hand <laughs> <laughs> job, Kevin's on ice. Me and you're getting under some cold hard writing. <laughs> Fuck it. I think right, this, this is the first time anyone's ever liked one of my film ideas. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> on, on our topic, yes. though, on our topic, though, um, I think what makes any film, no matter it's horror or sci-fi or drama or whatever, fuck crime. Uh, or musical. A musical. <laughs> the, the bottom line is the fucking, the human response. Like, yeah, to of course. I think with fucking Gorno and all those bollocks, you know, it's just like, oh, let's watch it. This is like pure. This is just, it's just fucking. That's what we call Shock porn. No, it's fucking porn. It's just, Aye. you know what I mean? It's just what really terrifies people. If you're talking about horror, what really terrifies people, if you find three or four things, especially if you're a writer, if you find three or four things that fucking terrify you, and if you're a skilled enough director, they illustrate how much they fucking terrify you, then that's going to make a good horror film. Like yeah. I mean, like... I mean, sack, sack, whatever, the fucking... The, the reconstructions or fucking deconstructions, whatever the fuck, just something that actually genuinely terrifies you, why it terrifies you, and explain that. And if you're fucking lucky, create allegory in that, then you've got a fucking great film. But you do understand yeah. as well, I 100% get what you're saying, but then you're obviously looking up within the mould of a studio and obviously they're looking for trends and they're looking to see, right, well, that's ran its course, this deconstruction thing, where can we go from here? And I think that's why then, because it's all a cycle, like we said before, when the slasher deconstructions or the horror film deconstructions kind of ended and ran its course, they went and then just they reproducing the sort of boogeyman films they were doing in the 80s and that was, you know, somewhat successful and then they got a new niche in found footage and then they got a new niche in Gorno, so they're always long for Sean new, but then at the same time, it always goes back to basics, and I, I do agree. Be in that case, back to basics is, is just like it, it is though. It, it's honestly your best ideas come out, they just come from the fucking human psyche. Okay, that was basically just like a wee topic in itself, anyway. So we're already well into. <laughs> I will fuck you up. He said. <laughs> okay, and Shit. Kiva has demanded we do a shot of Buckfest. Yes, she <laughs> yes, has. I have. I've been demanding it for a long time, at least the last seventeen minutes. Is it? Is this She's what you? Is this what you do at work as well? You just there. stand in front of people, say you, you should probably do a shot. Okay, you know? I don't know if you guys know me, but I work in a bar, and basically, I force people into taking shots they don't come to the bar to see me they don't come to the bar to do shots 
They just come to the bar. They like chill out and do nothing. You're like a mantis. It's you my just lure fault. them in. You lure them in, get them blocked, <laughs> and there's a party after. People come to take shots. Take the fucking shots. That's why Keith doesn't play in a month. <laughs> she Keith, just Keith forces <laughs> people into buying drinks. Keith gets 10p off every shot. <laughs> 10, 10p. It, 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 yeah, it's true. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, right, I've just commish. I've just poured for Sauvignon Buck. <laughs> Did you want them there? Yeah. Michael, him, yeah. Very nice. <laughs> Did you smoke bad? I just that I. Off the cuff, sort of one. Very nice. Can't be this way, I got broke fast now, I gotta say. Broke right. is nice. So, who's first topic? La Breffa, Hanna, that. It's my birthday. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you snow, but I had a birthday this week. Yeah. Um, <laughs> is it about Star Wars? No. It's right. no, it, I, I, it was, it's kind of picking up of what I was talking about earlier. We see in the Hunger Games. And uh, I don't know if anybody remembers the ending of Catch and Fire, the mm-hmm. second Hunger Games, that the film just ends. There's no real end to the film. It yeah. leaves on a cliffhanger. And another film in recent memory is The Hobbit, The Desolation of Smaug. Yeah. It just hangs Smaug. on a cliffhanger. There's no real ending. And just it made me think, like, should a film that... It knows it's getting a sequel. Is it okay for it to end on a cliffhanger, or should it be able to stand alone as its own film? It should always stand alone. Yeah. For, well, first and foremost, right, I agree with Hearn somewhat, but then at the same time, I don't think it's any coincidence that The Hunger Games and obviously The Hobbits are two books which are fucking massively popular. Yeah. So obviously most people who are going to, well, you would say the majority of people who are going to see those films are the book readers who obviously know the story anyway and just want to see the story visually. So if you have a cliffhanger, they know what's happening next. You well, no, I, mean? I wouldn't say the majority of people. I would say, well, put this way, I would say a lot, but they know even the people who haven't read that the books. That means the same thing. I would actually <laughs> see, no, to say the minority of people because I think I would, I would the majority the of people yeah. that see those films are the people who go, Oh, that's the popular film. Yeah. I'll just go but see l- it. Hear me, out, hear me out two seconds. Like, the only thing I was going to say is that if you end on a cliffhanger, people, even if they haven't read the books, are aware that it's a book series, and they are aware as well that there's going to be another film after that. So end on a cliffhanger in that regard is sort of all right because they are still in the knowledge that there's going to be another film. They kind of add closure to that cliffhanger, but at the same time... I don't like it because I just think it's one of the cheapest tricks that there is. I think any film just stand alone in its own right. Yeah. The only thing I was going to say is that if in the storyline, in the books, there is a cliffhanger, then obviously you're going to do that cliffhanger or try and add to it because even though cliffhangers are cheap, they can draw people in for the next one. And that's exactly what they're going for. Right. Well, I, I, I can't comment on the Hunger Games and that if the, if the second book ended in that cliffhanger that the second film did. But with The Hobbit, I think The Hobbit is worse for it than The, than the oh, Hunger no, Games. That, the Hobbit's a joke because that shouldn't have been three films. It, anyway. should, like, it shouldn't have been three films exactly. anyway. But the the way The, Ho- the Hobbit, The Slash Smog ended is is a literal cliffhanger. It's, you're, you're in the middle of a scene then it just cuts. See, that, 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 but, that, but, that, is, that is a joke because that is an actual constructed cliffhanger just to pad it out for an or film to I, make money. But the worst... You feel like you're being taken the hand. Yeah. No, Here, the, I, I just no, realized... Sorry, just sorry. The, the worst thing about that then is that the start of Battle for Five Armies is the rest of the Desolation of Smiles. Yes. It's like the first 15 minutes or whatever. It's just the rest yeah. of the that, second that, film. That's when you realize yeah. that it's fucking producers taking you for a ride. Yeah. Whereas if it's actually based on a fucking text and there is a fucking cliffhanger and obviously and you're saying that oh you know what not a lot of fucking book readers were good. I, th- I think that's balls I think that if you've watched and loved 
an adaptation of a book, then most of those book readers are going to go no, say, yes, okay, they're going to get fucking a plethora of all our viewers. No, I'm I'm not saying that all the book readers won't go see the film. I'm just saying if uh, them as a percentage of the overall audience isn't a majority. Oh, no. I would say, well... Uh, no, they aren't. More than they're not, because I mean, like, a if, lot of people don't like, read if them. You, if you have Hunger Games making like 600, 700 million, I mean, and say a, a, tech, a, a fucking... Uh, cinema tickets, what, $10 yeah. or something? Then you have, like, what, 70 million, 60 million people going to... That's not as many people as reading the I book. agree that, obviously, when I said that point, and that was just a blase comment. I know, stuff that's... Like that. that's yeah, it's a blase comment, but then at the same time, if it's wrote like that in the books, then usually if the books are successful, then it is a good narrative device. Do it. And, obviously, by this point, too, you would assume that the viewer knows that this is a franchise that is balding and if they've hooked them in through that first film there's a cliffhanger let's just say in the first film they'll want to go see the next one it's all part of the machine that we've talked mm. about before you know what i mean it's all, all part they right. kind of hook people in should even pull it this way and even though it's not an exact trilogy well it is a trilogy but it's not a trilogy in the fact that it was a, a narrative a lineage through like the comic books batman begins batman begins unbelievable standalone film but it's not quite a cliffhanger but at the very end, he whoops out the Joker card. That's you not know what I mean? Finger. It's not a cliffhanger, but at the same time, it's a lewd end to the next film. I'm not saying that they can't have things that can carry on to the next film. I just think, specifically, what I have in my head is Catch and Fire, the second Hunger Games film, and The Desolation of Smaug. It's a literal, in the middle of a scene, cliffhanger. But when you have something, even like The Two Towers, The Lord of the Rings... Or in the first one as well, those films end, even though they still have things exactly. that go on. They have an ending, but I I would say that Catch and Fire and the Desolation Smag don't have an. Uh, Smag. I know. I, I, I went way off though. Desolation Smog. I was Smag! so I, I, I was so good before that, but Desolation Smog doesn't have an ending. I mean, like, cause say like Empire Strikes Back, there's loads of fucking things that carries on the Return of the Jedi then, but that film has an ending. I agree. We I think that every film should kind of have closure in its own right. But I'm not against cliffhangers because if you're that interested in that film, then you will obviously go see the next one if it has been built up so well. But do you not think it kind of cheapens the film? I don't think it cheapens it. If the story and the writing is that good that you actually want to go and see another production of that story continuing, then I think it's it is cheap, but it's a really good way not only to get people back in but to keep people interested because there's no real closure I, but maybe it's me because I love films that have no closure I love films that you're always guessing but whereas with that there you're left guessing until the next one comes out and then you see where it tails off from but th- those those films could have still had like the, the cliffhanger-esque thing but actually ended the film do you not think? Well, I don't know. I, th- I, th- I think that's a brilliant paradox. I mean, how do you have a cliffhanger, but then also tie up a follow? I mean, well, look at Empire Strikes Back. You have the cliffhanger of Hans and but Carbonite see, fucking see, Luke what, just what found we're out. coming down here is that obviously even in the Fellowship of the Ring, Gandalf falls to his death and stuff like that there. And then obviously it's reintroducing the two towers. Are they still alive? They're, they're just... No, no, no. Not the climax. It's just there's a plot point in there. But in the likes of like uh, the films you just mentioned there now, it's not the main crux of it. They can still close, but it's not the main crux of the film. All those characters can have closure. Obviously, there's still a couple of characters you're wondering about, but you can still close the film. It just completely depends on the narrative. But it, like, e- even look at the two towers, 
like uh, I I know you've watched the special features two towers. I've watched special features two, and uh, Peter Jackson and his his writer partners was Philippa something. Uh, I, uh, I, I I can't I can't even mind their names, but uh, they they talk about why they put on Sam's speech at the end. Mm-hmm. It's the it's the wrap up the film. It's the bring a conclusion to the film and kind of sum up everything that's kind of going on in that film. And he actually makes a joke that in the first one it was easy because they had Sean Bean's yeah. death. And there's there's an ending to the, all those films, and they actually put work in they having an ending for the two towers when they could have just had a cliffhanger. But herein lies the rub: is that the fact that you always have to close or have closure to any sort of film, even if it's part of a franchise or part of a story. But at the same time, if it is part of a franchise, you still have to leave that wee tidbit, that wee thing that hooks you on for the next I, one. You, you like, I do, it. I do agree, hundred percent. They've done it masterfully in uh, Lord of the Rings. You know, until the third one, they had about sixteen thousand endings, <laughs> but. At the same time, I don't think that it's a bad thing to do it. Even if, I mean, like, I think most films should be closed, but if you want to close the film on a cliffhanger, it's usually only done on franchise films. Very rarely you'll see it from some wee small independent film that has no hope of getting the fucking sequel. You only see it in these franchise yeah. films where it has massive fucking conglomerate studios who know how to sell I know, a they, film. They, they know it's they, getting a sequel. They right? know it's getting, they, not only they know it's getting a sequel, they know they're getting the audience for the sequel. So it's no real risk. To them to do a cliffhanger. I know I'm not on about the rest. I'm just on about you watching it as a film. Is it a bit robbing you of an ending? I don't think it's robbing you an ending because if you're that engrossed in the story, then you're going to want to see the next one. Should the, you see a plot this week? <laughs> We're talking about cliffhangers here. Colin Heron, Back to the Future 2. You know what I mean? That's a fucking cliffhanger. He finds out that obviously fucking Doc oh, isn't dead and he's back in the Wild West. That's the biggest cliffhanger of all. And obviously the reason they've done that is because they knew that the first one was so successful, the second one was going to be massively successful. The, the difference is though that they shot the team at the same time and actually one, just, well just no, at the end... No, 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 I can because just at the end of Back to the Future 2, at the very end they show you a trailer for Back to the Future 3 just at the credits. Yeah, but, but I don't but think Lord, Lord of the Rings did that as well. Yeah, exactly, sure, Lord of the Rings, no, they, they were shot yeah, simultaneously. All three no, of no, them no. shot the same No, no, thing. they shot it simultaneously, but Back to the Future 2 deliberately showed you a trailer for no, the yeah, third one. Oh, yeah, Lord of the Rings did that as well. What the fuck? No, they, I, they I showed it the tra- What the fuck? Well, they say in the special features they did it. Yeah, and <laughs> not only that there, but I mean, is it really, mm-hmm. is it really that important? Is it really that important? It was like an after credits thing. Did you stay for all the whole credits? Perhaps I didn't. Just, is it really that Perhaps important? Perhaps I didn't. That you have to show somebody a trailer as soon as that film's ended for them to know that there's going to be a sequel or that the film's already been made. Do you want to know the kind of fucked up thing about this whole conversation? Obviously, we're using uh, The Hunger Games and The Hobbit as kind of really recent examples of this. My two favorite films in those series is Catch a Fire and Desolation as well. Yeah. Because they're the best films. I Well, I think actually of taking the film as a whole but I don't like the fact that they have a cliffhanger ending but the both of them do <laughs> <laughs> it's fucked up but I, I, I count the start of the Battle of the Five Armies as the end of Desolation as well see for me as well and just trying to draw a line fuck over... a whole habit <laughs> I fuck it you hated it I, to... I was fucking pile of shit I was fucking I watched the first one and it says fuck the rest of R2 you lazy fucking pack of robin bastards. <laughs> Seriously. Honestly, fuck. Why didn't you just shoot it in the same fucking cameras? Fuck is fast shooting and CGA everywhere. You had so many good things going on the fellowship of the fucking ring and you fucking went off on one and fucking wanked all over the whole book. See when it comes down there, See right? See after. When it comes down there, 
I was raging. It's Watched the first Hobbit and I was angry. It's very rare. I'm angry at a fucking film. It's Dragon. a very, very cheap trick to use for a cliffhanger, right? It's very, very cheap, but it obviously works. But Peter Jackson, Peter Jackson admits that uh, he was he didn't know what he was doing. But like, Ch- but Chan just said like, oh, it obviously works. But as you said, like that's already a built-in franchise. So did they really need that cliffhanger? But it's people just, are coming back to see it anyway. I think right. See when it comes down to it, and we'll obviously try and tie this up now. When it comes down to it, okay, is if you're you don't have to jump off a cliff. <laughs> you don't have to. If you're engrossed in a franchise, you if you have to hang off a cliff. If you're engrossed in a franchise, if you're engrossed in a series of films, and obviously you're maybe one or two films in, and you see this cliffhanger, more than likely, if you're that interested, you're going to go and see the next one. So them doing a cliffhanger to me is almost sort of fucking irrelevant. It yeah. is cheap. It doesn't give you closure, but you realise that it's one part of a bigger story. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Well, so is that us done then? <laughs> Are we done? <laughs> Heron. Do you have a topic? I certainly do, Michael. You look like a man. Do you have a topic? No, I'm not a topic. <laughs> you guys both look like you. <laughs> I look like a man has a topic. <laughs> I've I seen that topic bulge in your pants. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna take Move it out. on quickly. I'm gonna take it out. Move on quickly. Take the wrapper off and eat that topic. No, you know guys, no. <laughs> no. Take, take it out and no! slap, me, slap me in the face. With I've, never, no! <laughs> I've, ne- I've never Stop! seen it. This is lateral duck swinging right here. Like, Stop it! Do you ever need a fucking bar of topic? No! <laughs> hey, four pack in a pound shop last week. What's happening? There's some good to say. Right, okay, no, like I, do, I do, I do, okay, okay. Topics are bogging, right. though. We just need to put a line the on The topic that. is uh, just this recent uh, regeneration of franchises five minutes after they've happened, right? But the thing I'm tailing off from is we were talking about it earlier about Alien. Uh, Neil fucking District 9 boy I'm also uh, pretty sure that's was, not the pronunciation <laughs> I'm pretty sure I'm pretty certain that's the pronunciation also but, uh, <laughs> it's okay <laughs> I'm pretty goddamn certain Northern Irish uh, people get away with like, his whole idea of doing an thing. Alien 3 District Garden Alien 3 and 4 this whole idea and fucking what he calls fucking Brian Singer's idea to do Superman Returns which was regarding the Superman 3 and 4 um, and then just Spider-Man, I mean you could say like Spider-Man's recreation, okay that's different but we're talking about Brian Singer's idea of disregard Superman, the Christopher Reeve Superman 3 and 4 and yeah. just goes, his was technically 3 in his brain and Blomkamp's was fucking, disregarding 3 and 4 as well yeah Disregarding three and four as well. I'm just wondering, like, I know we recreate genres or recreate characters, big fucking massive money making fucking characters very quickly. This is the way the fucking generation seems to be going. But what do you think about you know like saying saga sequels? Well, the the first thing that came to my mind when you said Brian Singer and then you brought up Superman, I thought you were going to bring up Brian Singer and X Men. Yeah, because he came back the. Uh, direct Days of Future Past. He and did a bit of second sequels, didn't he? He was and, pure Saka sequels, that way. I'm fair. I'm fair. I'm <laughs> fair enough. He kind of he did it through the actual plot of the film that it's time travel, so now time has changed. So technically, those things didn't happen. Yeah. But it was basically to say, right, 
X Men Three it was, was a big, shit. giant, mm. massive, big old. <laughs> none of that happened. Aye. That's just regard all that hard work that went on. He's pretty. He's pretty much saying, "Let's travel back in time and pretend Brent Ratner doesn't exist, because <laughs> I will kill him." Let's all let's him. all do that. Because <laughs> that certainly makes the perfect world. I, I thought that. I know. Like uh, Joy about a rusher. Joy about a rusher. Joy about a family man. I, I but uh, no, but <laughs> I can sacrifice Russia for everything else. Like. Family man. Oh, fam- family man. The Nicholas Cage, Tay Leone, Christmas film. We never thought of. No. Touches some note to me, as they say. I know, I I, know. I, I do enjoy that film as well. But right. that, but they even go deeper into that. If you actually look at the start of Days of Future's Past, that it, Brian Singer actually kind of disregards what has happened before then anyway. Like, they just start <laughs> up in this, like, futuristic world with the, the Sentinels and all this here, and it's never explained how they got there from, like, X-Men 3 or even... The that fil- is. The, no, but the film before that was uh, the, just the Wolverine, and they had the after credit yeah. scene where uh, Professor X rocks up and all is here. Aye, hey, Warfrocked. Aye, but it's never explained how it went from there to this yeah. dystopian fucking future See, world and how much time has passed since then. And, you know, it, it just doesn't make sense because none of them is aged. I really like that, and maybe it's because I just knew about, like, x-men comic stuff i got from reading them when i was younger but i just like the fact that they just started afresh and they did and it's something that you talk about quite a bit here of not having the origin not having this the kickstart that there now we're in the future like the proper future in yeah. the sentinel world and these characters who started out in like our you would say modern time period like maybe the 2000s or whatever are now in the future and it's not explained but you just accepted it like straight away you just accepted they I were know. there I'm, I'm not slagging off I'm just saying they, they obviously don't really have a regard for trying to keep up the, the continuity or whatever. oh no I, I 100% like can I agree they, they obviously seen that 3 and 4 are you know very kind of they're lesser quality of one and two but it doesn't really matter if you've got the characters and obviously they had the creative head honcho and brain singer back for days of future past it doesn't matter because it just made a good film most people if you go to any film most audience fucking members will sort of throw away their sense of reality especially when it comes to a comic book film so you don't need to spoon feed them this 15, 25 fucking minute origin story of how they got there. Plus, Let's I, just go straight on this. Plus, it's, it's it's also a kind of thing of, it's only people, like, really kind of, people that would get in-depth in the film, like, and point out that the fact that there isn't continuity between the films. So, like, most people go see these films as either a good film or a bad film but, for them, and they don't give a fuck about it afterwards. I'm sure even the fanboys who went to go see Days of Future Past, yes, they probably might have put Days of Future Past apart, but I'm sure that they no, were they, almo- everybody loved it. Yeah, but I'm sure that they were almost as delighted that they completely ignored three and four. Yeah. Because it just ignores you know, but can I just ask well, you what, what do you mean by four? Are do you, you mean saying first the Wolverine class? film or first yeah, class? Yeah, sorry, the Wolverine films are because right, first class. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well they haven't though really. What do you mean? They haven't really ignored the Wolverine films like no, but, but because they've traveled back a time, yeah. that's also disregarded. First class isn't disregarded because it happened before Days of Future Past. Yeah. So First class isn't regarded, um, but... But the rest of them are. The second, uh, the Wolverine isn't disregarded because that was in the same canon. It was like fucking... No, that's disregarded because yeah. they've traveled back in time now. Yeah. All the other previous ones are gone. 
Essentially, see, see all, time travels. Yeah, you know, you see, that's it the best. It really solves all, doesn't it? <laughs> see, this, this, this is what I'm saying. And he's like, oh god, I, I'm a shit writer. I just travel back in time and make myself bad. Yeah, so be really good. This is what I'm saying that. He basically just rebooted the whole thing by having that time travel element in there. And even though he's rebooting his own films as well, everybody knows they're good and they're getting rid of the shit ones. You yeah, know? yeah. Everybody is. It feels like he's just writing himself back into the franchise. Well, he's he's doing Apocalypse now, like. I know, I know he is. And, and I just... Uh, I, I, I know. I personally I, think it's grand. Like, I mean, I think it's I, grand that if I, you, you want to, as they call it in the biz, like decanonize films, if they weren't up to standard, and most people have just kind of forgotten about retcon. them anyway, and retcon them, I, and most people don't like them, and they don't want them as a stain on the lineage of the great films that went before it in that series, then why not just forget about them? Because nobody gives a fuck about them anyway. I mean, when I, is Star Wars going to be I brought up the topic, topic because I agree. Mm. I, I, I agree with people going they were shit let's write a better yeah history sort of you know what I mean mm. it sounds fucking mad it sounds shit but mm. if you but honestly they fucking have the balls they go back and go right I'm gonna fucking make the Superman 3 it should have happened yeah I'm wanting the other Shades 3 it shouldn't have happened <laughs> <laughs> you know I'm wanting the Die Hard fucking 4 that should have happened I'm wanting all that shit Jason Gordon Levitt, put your fucking bake on. Let's make that your fucking sex. Let's, go. <laughs> <laughs> and let's make it good as well. I juggle Levitt in the next Die Hard. Juggle oh, Levitt in the Die Hard season. But yeah, like that 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 was that was actually like a common thing online when Disney bought Lucasfilm. Like, are they going to go back and do the prequels again? Mm. But they they they've said oh, fuck. No, they, they 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 said pretty early on what what's canon and what isn't canon yeah. and. The prequels are canon, and the Clone Wars are canon, the the TV show, and then everything that comes out now is all part of canon. So all the books, all the comic books, everything that comes out, the TV shows, it's all, it's a collaborative so, effort. I mean, this is actually really interesting. This is actually make a really interesting documentary. What is canon and canon and the past Star Wars? Because there's so many fan fucking novels and fan I books see, and so I on. See, I think that would be impossible to cover. It would be an unreal documentary. Yeah. No, be... See, see, before Disney bought Lucas, there was different levels of canon. G canon was the films canon. It was George canon. Here we go. <laughs> Stop talking. Okay, we'll move on to a recommendation. Shut up, Mike. Oh, sorry. Was I still making a noise? I'm just like a wee water tap. You just leave me around. Like. <laughs> <laughs> He's always dripping. Leave me around, baby. Leave me uh My recommendation this week's The Final Girls. It was released this year. Uh, essentially, it's a story of this uh, kind of lower class scream queen from the 1980s. And she made some really shitty slasher film, which he's famous for. And at the very start of the film she dies she's got a young daughter and a young daughter always like really looked up there so as soon as she dies then the daughter goes to a screening of that slasher film that her mother's famous for but through some sort of fucking supernatural hijiggery or whatever the fuck happens she's thrown in that slasher film with her friends and because she knows the plot because she's seen it so many times and she's so genre savvy she tries to not only keep her friends from getting killed but she also wants to keep her mother from getting killed because she actually gets killed in the film 
and it's this really nice thing because obviously if she just wanted to keep her friends alive that's fine because she knows the plot but she wants to defy essentially what has happened before and keep her mother alive and because she's trying to cope with her mother's death she has to watch her be kind of killed over and over again and it's like heartbreaking and obviously it's a deconstruction I of thought the sli- this was a comedy yeah that was <laughs> I'm saying though it, it, it strikes ah, a f- it's ah, <laughs> your mom has dead it strikes ah, a fine balance enjoy this <laughs> it strikes a fine balance because it is a deconstruction of the slasher and they're all very genre savvy and they know what the killer's coming and it's set like a, a sort of faux Camp Crystal Lake and it obviously lends a lot the Friday the 13th but then it just kind of balances out nicely with the fact that there's mm-hmm. actual deep dramatic storyline behind it and the fact that she wants to be with her mother again and she wants her mum to be alive and she gets to re-love life with her mother even though her mother doesn't know that she's her daughter because she is her character in the film. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, so that's Asian. heartbreaking. As yeah, well. and that's heartbreaking really too. So well. it's, so I, I think it's a supremely well-written film. It's heartbreaking, but also really entertaining and funny when it's parody in the slasher genre. And it just strikes us cracking balls. I think it's a film you would absolutely love, Mickey. Uh, Kiva, do you have a recommendation? A recommendation? I mean, my only recommendation would be we were talking about horror you have to watch the audition if you haven't mm-hmm. you have to I mean it's not a nice watch but you have to watch it basically the whole film starts nothing happens I don't know how long the film lasts just 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 like for arguments sake an hour 40 I think hour 40 arguments sake see for an hour 20 fuck all happens yeah None, absolutely boo fuck all, and seeing that twenty minutes, oh uh, everything happens. You have to. Um, no, I can't even talk about it anymore. I'm done. <laughs> I'm done. Okay, calm here. I watched uh, a Woody Allen film, Hannah and Her Sisters. Unbelievable. Anybody see it? I know it, it's fucking. Oh no! I just seen the first one, Hannah. Is that the most serious run? Aye, and then the the sequel, the, 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 the sequels where ha- Saoirse Ronan and her sisters. Aye, it was like a Star Wars type deal. But uh, Hannah and her sisters, what a awful written and directed by the man, and uh, he's in it as a hypochondriac naturally, and uh, it's a f- fucking really. It's I mean, it's the same things I loved about uh, was it Crimes and Misdemeanors? Mm-hmm. Uh, it has the same attitude about that in Manhattan it's just the same Woody Allen film when he just he, he just writes amazingly well fucking yeah. insecure fucking dialogue about just normal people normal people but dysfunctional people yeah but I suppose making the point that every single fucking person is essentially dysfunctional, dysfunctional yeah in their own way and uh I just find it a great film I'm not going to I'm, I'm actually not going to talk about it too much because I don't want to destroy it for anybody. But all the performances are great. All the writing's great. It's so fast and it's so smooth and everything just works in a very, very natural way you wouldn't find in very many films. And just give it a look. Yeah, and a wee tiny bit of trivia as well is that Michael Caine won his first Oscar for that and I think it's really impressive because it's one... won it for it? Yeah. And it's one of those films as well that just mixed normal life interesting, which I think for a screenwriter is an unbelievable achievement. 
It's actually mental that Kane won the Oscar for it. Yeah, I know. For that? Yeah. He's won two Oscars, that and the Cider House Rules. That's, Both that's, best supporting actors. That's because he's, he, he's kind of... Well, no, well, I mean, you can see how he's been in so many fucking films, but how he's hardly been in them. It must have been, you see it a lot with the Oscars too, where you hear of an actor who's you know really well loved, but they've won an Oscar for a certain role, and you're like, really? That's not the best role. But I think it just depends on the year as well. Maybe it was a slum year in the best supporting actor Oscar. So I mean, yeah, there you go. My recommendation is the sound of noise. I actually brought up in the podcast where we were talking about our favorite foreign films. Mm-hmm. This is a Swedish film. It's about a ragtag group of drummers that just don't <laughs> give a heck about the law. It's for a classicist Spielberg man like you, man. I'm surprised. No, it's the the whole premise of the film is that they they do these kind of heists but it's they perform musical pieces so they like break into a bank and then start playing drums on like the staplers and all yes <laughs> and love then, them and then oh, they man. like they like hijack bad, they man. like hijack like a surgery just they get the 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 heart monitor like beeping and something oh, <laughs> that guy died but what i mean our beat called? was the sound rich. of noise the sound of noise is a, it's a swedish film and the whole way through it you have this tone deaf cop chasing them the whole way through <laughs> that sounds like a it's, fucking masterpiece it's it's a it's a really good film i really enjoyed it and it's it's just it's it's hilarious the way it goes through as well uh. and it's just a good watch and there's not much else i can say about it apart from it's just a ragtag group of drummers you know what else can, what else can you want like you know what I mean? <laughs> boom we'll give one more final recommendation to the film that we're going to show in the Bennigan's Film Club on Wednesday well Wednesday what day the 25th Fifth, because it's payday for me baby <laughs> oh shank <on> this <laughs> 25th of November we shall be showing The Big Lebowski at the Bennigan's Film Club in the Bennigan's Bar in Derry so if you're in the Derry area and you like Big Lebowski and you like bowling and you like white Russians and you like paying for things it's not fucking free like (laughs) I know come on down it should be a great night I think it'll be a hella crack watching Big Lebowski with a bunch of guys and girls and shit's four bucks my I mean unofficial stances I'm gonna roll a lot of Okay, and we'll wrap it up there, folks. Thank you so much for listening. If you like it, in contact with us, suggest some topics, weigh in some more topics, and also, would you rather questions? I threatened you last week. I didn't do it this week. Send them to me. It'll come back. You have the power. <laughs> you can find us on Facebook, Let's Talk More Movies Podcast. You can find us on Twitter, at Talk More Movies, or oh, you damn. can email us, Let's Talk More Movies at gmail.com. You can also comment, review us, and also subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, and also on Acast, where you can get interactive show notes and links. Best place oh, to listen to this. Yeah, yeah. Thank you so much for listening. I have been your host, Michael Breslin. Thank you. Shanko has been Shanko. Yay! Calm Hair has been Calm Hair. Hey! Kiva has been Kiva. Hey! Episode 30, baby! Oh. Thank you so much for listening. Oh. Goodbye. Clock them out. Clock them out.
the space goes down, down, baby, down, down the roller coaster. Sweet, sweet, baby, sweet, sweet. Don't let me go. Shake it, shake it, coconut. Shake it, shake it, ride. Shake it, shake it, cocoa pop. Shake it, shake it, ride. I met a girlfriend, a Trisket. She even Trisket, a biscuit. Ice cream, soda pop, vanilla on top. Ooh, Shalita, walking down the street, 10 times a week. I'm in it, I said it, I stole my mama's credit. I'm cool, I'm hot. Suck you in the stomach three more times. Start a fiver once I start crying. <laughs>